The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter One, The Prince of Jordan Episode Five From their position atop the hill, the party could see the shimmering tower stretching up to the sky and the city of Armstrongard spread out around it. Let me guess. Weenie's people designed that tower. It's called Cockenshireville Townenberg or something, right? You're mixing old English place names with Germanic place names. It's probably either Cockingshire or Cockingburg. That is the College of Armstrongard. And yes, my people did build it as a show of good faith to all men yet. How'd they get it so shiny? I got a few guesses. It was made from the tusks of great beasts that once roamed the northern deserts. Elephants? There's elephants here? There were, before the tower. Brennan noticed Jen's face drop in disappointment. We've heard there might still be some on the other side of the mountains. Don't sweat it, babe. When we get back home, I'll win you another stuffed elephant at the fair. My family owns a few stuffed elephants. Not helping, Weenie. They entered the city shortly after dawn and headed straight for its market district. Even this early, it was already bustling with merchants and buyers of all backgrounds and walks of life. Brennan guided them through the throng until they arrived at Bailey and Company purveyors of fine arms and armor wherein the Lady Bailey peddled her wares to Brennan over the din of a hammer and anvil. If your charges don't find anything that suits them, we'd be glad to craft them some custom pieces for a small fee, but our prefabricated armor comes in styles to suit any body type and combat style. Indeed, Nelson had found a chainmail shirt that happened to resemble the buttoned, collared thing he had been wearing in size and fit. This is so cool. Billy, similarly, had found a suit and helm of plate steel. The rounded design of the helm, and pronounced shoulders of the suit, did make them look somewhat similar to the attire Billy wore to play football. I could kind of get used to this. A lot heavier than the stuff they gave us at school, though. Heavy, indeed. Yellowing tore a tremendous gash into Billy's old attire, which lay on the floor with his elven knife. Then, before Billy could react, he stabbed at the plate. His blade glanced off, leaving nary a nick in the armor. But it might save your life. It will certainly save your life. And has the lady found anything suitable? Myself, I think it's great when a girl wants to lend moral support out on a battlefield. I'm not sure about this. It must be admitted that the ladies' armour available at this establishment did surprisingly little in the way of armouring, and surprisingly much in the way of drawing attention to a young woman's... <clears throat> moral supports. What do you guys think? Yes, I love awesome. It. Don't you have anything with a little more coverage? Lots of female characters dressed like that in games and comic books. It's for mobility. Yeah, what he said. I think I could still be mobile if a little less of my chest was exposed. Think of it like your cheerleader uniform. You look great in your uniform. 
Okay, I guess. I'll take it. Splendid. Now, would you like to purchase any arms to go with your armor? Yes. This is for me. Billy noticed a large war hammer hanging on the wall, which he took down, only to discover he could not nearly lift it. He fell backwards under its weight, taking several posed suits of armor with him. Let's stick with the armor for now. You'll recall that the party's primary destination in the city of Armstrongard was the college at its centre. I am told that, in some places, Ivory Tower has become an expression for a place which shuts out the unpleasant realities of the world. No doubt this had its roots in reference to the College of Armstrongard, which was populated almost exclusively by elves and men whose fathers had a tremendous amount of gold at the time of their birth. And of course, at its centre was a literal Tower of Ivory. Jen was thoroughly awed by these sights when the party entered the college, enough so that she forgot her initial embarrassment over her exposed skin. Nelson, in his gleaming new mail, looked surer of himself than he ever had in the halls of Valley Central High School. Billy was less impressed. This place is lame. They don't even have a football field. Brennan was told that he and his charges could wait for the elf he sought in a library, with books as far as the eye could see. The design of the room drew one's attention to a single ornate desk, on which was perched an impressive candelabra. The candles were not lit, but rather the light in the room came from a large window behind the desk. As the party waited, Jen examined the extensive collection of books, their spines bearing characters that were strange to her. Nelson was similarly transfixed by the elven artwork decorating the stacks themselves. Billy had found a store of feather quills and was throwing them at the ceiling trying to make them stick. Hey honey, come here. I think I've got the hang of this. I've never seen so many books in one place. These all belong to one guy? They're just books. Big deal. This stuff is amazing. I wonder where I can learn about these engravings. Oh, oh, I know. In the exact opposite direction of a vagina. Nelson, not for anything. You mean well, but Billy isn't into the stuff you are. Maybe he'd go easier on you if you didn't, you know, broadcast it all the time. Guys like him will always find something to make fun of me for. From among the stacks came a woman in plain robes, with skin similar in tone to Nelson's. She had just shy of 30 years and was called Mia. On her head was a purple headband, and around her neck was a disc similar in shape to those worn by the priests at Castle Guernethal, but made of old bronze instead of polished gold. Good afternoon. I'm Nia, teaching assistant to Balakir. How can I help you, my lords? Well met, Nia, but none of us holds lands. Sirs, then? Brennan will do. General Brennan? The same. It is an honor to meet such a lauded servant of the realm. And this is Yelewin, Kaltir to Hasquernato. 
Talum, Heliet. You know Heliet? Required of every divinity student at Armstrong Guard. Now how can I be of service to you? We humbly request an audience with Balakir on behalf of His Majesty, High King Gunther Guernador. As if on cue, the window turned opaque, plunging the room into darkness. Anticipating some mortal threat, Brennan unslung his axe and Yellowin unsheathed his hunting knife. That was when every candle in the room exploded with light to reveal the elf mage who was called Balokir, centuries old but as imposing as ever, with long white hair and beard braided into tails that wound down to his wrists, he raised his arms. The window turned transparent again, but now seemed to be tinted all the colours of a rainbow separately but at once. Brennan and Yellowin dropped to their knees, pulling the young humans with them. Talun, Memiet, what brings you to seek my counsel? Before they could answer, Bar noticed Yellowin. To your feet. Yellowin obeyed without hesitation. Our kind do not bend the knee. You dishonor your heritage. Forgive him, Doctor. He only seeks to honor his commitment as Kaltir by observing the traditions of men in my presence. You may rise. To what do I owe the honor of a visit from His Majesty's court? Royal business that requires the art of illusion. His Majesty says you are its greatest living practitioner. Your help in this matter would be greatly appreciated. To be sure, as I greatly appreciate offers of coin in exchange for my time. Respectfully, Doctor, the heads of House Gwenetol have been liege lords of this city since the peace. They provide for its defense and ask for no taxes in return. It is through their benevolence that this academy and its faculty have flourished, and no, House Guernetal humbly requests a small favor in return. Right. Nia, I'm sure you can handle this. His Majesty requested you by name, Doctor. The girl is trustworthy. Now, you'll have to forgive me, my good man, but I've research to attend to, and I'm afraid it doesn't fund itself. Good day. Bar strode off into a smaller, more private office and shut the door behind him. Hey! Do you know how to get to Pennsylvania? We have gold if that's what the doctor so desperately requires. Good luck. Once he decides something is beneath him, you'd just as easily pass an orc for a princess. I haven't met your other companions. I'm Jen. I have no idea how I got here. Pleased to meet you, Jen. I felt the same way before I accepted Galadon into my heart. Billy Williams, Jr., Captain of the Valley Central High Hawks. Billy? Can you do that thing with the windows, too? That shit was amazing! This is Nelson. He's pretty weird. He has an active imagination. The first mark of a talented mage. What about whether you have pubes yet? Does that matter? May I speak with you in private? The room set aside for Nia's office space was comparable in dimensions to a particularly lavish coffin. The difficulty of Nia and Brennan conferring in it was compounded by the countless scrolls and tomes stacked on Nia's desk. With some difficulty, Nia found enough arm room to unravel the scroll that Brennan had been carrying with him. 
When, after some time, she was able to break through the enchantment concealing the name on the scroll, her eyes widened. This is for a criminal investigation, isn't it? What makes you say that? Well, the name on the scroll, Erona Regan. Does that name mean nothing to you? Should it? They call her the Thief Queen of Armstrongard, but Thief barely captures her crimes. Criminal or not, it is vital that I find her. If Thief Queen she is, she'll have taken steps to cover her tracks, eh? It stands to reason. A mage might prove very useful to me in this age. If the whispers about Arona Regan are true, she'll kill you before she bothers to say hello. I must graciously decline. You are a student of theology, are you not? Among other things, yes. I hope to take my vows once I have my doctorate. The night before I met those three young ones, I had a dream. A great bird with feathers the colors of their clothes. Will they be brought to the elders? That is my intent. But I must find this Arona Regan first. Why is that? She may be vital to a royal investigation. Do you take the scrolls of Baradir seriously, General? I know too little of them to have an opinion. Then why jeopardize your mission taking the children along? Because it is what my king commands. As it happens, General, I take the scrolls very seriously. With what you said about your dream, I'd be dishonoring my oaths by not going with you. There will probably be great danger. Have you martial training? I know quite a few spells that can keep people safe. Will your master miss you? Master? I left my friends and family to study under the greatest wizard alive, only to learn that he wanted a free research assistant rather than a student. He can stick it in his pointy ear. As you wish. Passage to the underground is known to be found along the canal. I'll meet you at the north gate after dark. Until then... Go with Galadon, General. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira. It is performed by Garrett Armin, Hayes Dunlop, Anya Gibeon, Ian Harkins, Emily Kukuk, Frank Queris, Julie Reed, Perry Strong, and Dylan Uremovich. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly and directed and edited by Christian Madeira. Production sound engineering is done by Gary O'Keefe, with dialogue editing and foley by Tommy Stang, and post-production mixing and sound design by Sandra Ramirez. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Thanks for downloading 